Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. I was uh, just while we were doing a church update, I was sort of reminded just what awesome time of year spring is. Now, I know we're not quite in spring yet, that might be a bit of an understatement, but the idea of just, you know, new life being created, and just hearing those uh, couple being, getting engaged, that's awesome, I love people getting engaged, uh, and hearing about new babies, I think in like two, th- over like a calendar year of 12 months, there'll maybe like, I think there's like nine babies that will have been born in the church. How amazing is that? And that's not including Chinese church. I believe that the Mandarin service have like another two at least. So it's like, it's all right, there's two. Yeah, I thought so. It's like 11 babies in like 12 months. That's incredible. I love it. When I was, when I was a a younger man, uh, I remember sort of, uh, (laughs) that wasn't the direction I was going in. It was unintentional comedy, but uh, (laughs) But I remember thinking to myself, I said, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm never going to get married. I'm a lone wolf. I just, you know, it's not, it just was not something I ever thought. Yeah, no, a, known, a lone piglet, maybe, more likely. <laughs> lone troll. But uh, I just thought, ah, that's not for me. And then, you know, I did get married. And, uh, or, or I met Laura, and Laura was very much, oh, yeah, we're going to have kids. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not sure if, uh, I'm not really sure if, kids are something that I'm interested in. Uh, I have three of them now. <laughs> but I'll tell you something, it was really amazing. When I was uh, in my very early, I think it was about 21, 22, and me and Laura just started seeing each other. She introduced me to her family. She's got a, an older sister, uh, and, and her and her husband have, have, they had three children at the time. They actually have four now, uh, four little girls. And I'll tell you what, just that just coming and meeting that family and being a part of that family, it changed me. It absolutely changed me. It changed completely my understanding of it. It was a part of, I guess, my growing up of my maturity that I just saw these little girls and I was Uncle James immediately. Like within days, I found out later it's because they actually have an Uncle James. <laughs> and they just sort of thought that might be part of my actual name. In fact, in the church that I was in at the time, all the little children of that age started calling me Uncle James because they thought that was my name. <laughs> the children I'd never met before. Ah, oh, it's Uncle James. <laughs> but these children changed my life, and I just saw just, just the love, the just unquench, uh, unquestionable love, just the fact that they would draw me in, and it just it was such a, an amazing thing. Children are such a, a blessing in our lives, and we, we want to protect them. We want to uh, get around them and just create such a place of security. We want to pass something on to them. And, and a little bit of my message, I guess, would reflect on that today, talking about uh, the children, the children in our life. And Pastor Kevin spoke a little bit uh, last week upon generations and how, you know, it might be that you have children in a very physical sense, but we all have children in the sense that there is a generation coming behind us. You know, so, so whether you have children or you don't have children in a very sort of literal sense, still, this is absolutely what I'm going to speak about today. And what I really think this series talks about greatly is, is, is the generation to come, the, the interaction between the generations, you know, that we are not supposed to be these separate entities that, 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 that have an identity that completely, uh, you know, closes off to everyone else, that we, like, we don't create a box, a generation doesn't live within a vacuum. They live within interaction within one another. There's, there's a, give and a, to, uh, a give and a take, there's a, there's a flow that goes both ways. So I want to read, the, the, 
the bit of scripture that this uh, whole series, we're doing a the series is called Blessed is Better, which is a, a fantastic name because blessed is better. I, I challenge anyone to say anything other. It's like, nah, you know what? Cursed definitely has its benefits. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. Blessed is better. And we're going to be looking at Deuteronomy uh, 28. And I'm, I'm uh, going to be focusing on verse 4. So to give you the context, I'm going to read up to verse 4. So from verse 1 to 4, Deuteronomy 28. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And this is entitled, Blessings for Obedience. So it says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commandments that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. I love that because it's not just talking about, well, you'll be blessed. The things in your life will be blessed. Your your, your work will be blessed. Your relationships will be blessed. It actually talks far more beyond that. It's like, you will be blessed, but it will have a ripple effect. It will have a ripple effect that doesn't just affect your life, but affects your children's life. Or as I was saying before, the generation that comes after you, that you precede their life. Not just the crops you have now, not just the cattle that you have now, not just the job you have now, not the ability to be prosperous right now, but it will overflow, it will ripple. There are wave effects. It says the offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Not just your flocks, not just right now, but the ones that are to come. He doesn't just bless you. He doesn't bless your children. He blesses your cat. He blesses, well, maybe not your cat. <laughs> cat, that was a bad, where did cat come from? That was very bad one off the top there. <laughs> he blesses everything. He blesses the, what you have in your hand. He blesses what you do in the field, uh, what you do in work, what you, uh, what you sow in your life. He blesses it all and he blesses it over and over again. That it is, uh, I think the Bible says in somewhere, I don't think, I know the Bible says somewhere, that it says, you know, if it curse, you're cursed for like four generations. But when you are blessed, you are blessed, for, you know, m- many times, many hundreds of times. You are blessed uh, infinitely more. It ripples that much further because a blessing carries so much. And so I want to talk just a little bit about a theory that I've been reading about recently called chunking theory. Has anyone heard of chunking theory? Well, chunking theory it relates to something that we actually all do every single day. It's something that's a part of our lives. It's uh, something that every one of us in this room will do. And I'll, I'll read a definition of it. It says, rather than grappling with a large range of possibilities, experts unconsciously group information into, small, into a smaller number of meaningful chunks based on patterns they have seen before. To give you a very simple example... If I gave you 20 words, just 20 words, and said, I'd like you to remember those words, you would have a much, much better chance of being able to remember those words if they were formed into a sentence, as opposed to if they were just random words with no meaning next to each other. It's that that idea that if you can put chunks of information into something that makes sense, then you're going to have a much better chance of being able to remember and, and experts in any field uh, and the, the field I was uh, talking about was a- athletics or I was reading about with athletics is this idea that the more that a person is able to uh, live experiences they recognize patterns within that experience within that uh, field and it becomes something that they 
get an intuitive understanding of. So to give, an ex uh, to give maybe another example, is there anyone in this room, if anyone in this room has played squash before, can you put your hands in the air? Okay. Now, keep your hands in the air. Everybody keep your hands in the air. Could you keep your hands up if you've played squash for five years or more? Okay, five years or more. Okay. Has anyone played squash for ten years or more? Okay, we have a winner over here, Neil. Can, can you pass Neil the microphone? Because I'm going to ask Neil some questions. Okay? So Neil is our resident squash expert now, okay? That's a bit bold. <laughs> now, I've played squash maybe three or four times. So not very many times whatsoever. Uh, and I played someone who'd maybe played a dozen times, maybe two dozen times. And it was a humbling experience. <laughs> uh, Pastor Kevin mentioned last week that I am very competitive. Uh, and that is true. Uh, but I also, <laughs> I can be humbled very easily because I do overextend myself. So I was just wondering, uh, with respect to, to squash, if, if we were to take someone who was maybe 20 years old, 20 years old, who is just full of vigor, they are explosive, they are athletic, they are strong, they are fast, but they've only been playing for, say, six months. You would school that person, wouldn't you? Probably, yeah. Yeah, probably. It would, it would be a humbling experience for that person, would it not? More than likely, yeah. More than likely. You would, do you think it would take you an hour to have them on their knees throwing up? I don't, I don't know if it would be that, that cruel. <laughs> but you could if you wanted to. Yeah, you couldn't squash it. You could squash them. You could break them very easily. <laughs> now, what I want to know is, well, why is that? You just hold the centre of the court. Hold the centre of the court. get them running. Because you know where to make the, what happens when the ball hits in different places, don't you? Yeah, that's it. You, that's what I recognise. Yeah, them doing the work. I was doing all the running, and the person was standing still, and they'd only played like, you know, two dozen times. And it's very quickly you realise you're way in over your head. And, uh, <laughs> and I was just, um, just thinking about it. You know that because you've played and you've, you've seen patterns. You've experienced it. You have been able to develop your technique because you've, been in that place many times. Yeah, right. been on the receiving end as well. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've had failures and you've had successes. Well, all the young men here, this man has just painted a target on his back. If you would like to see what it's like to be humiliated, then please go ahead and play this man and tell us all about it. So thank you very much. <laughs> See, chunking theory, as I was saying, is, is about basically gaining experience in something. And I believe that there is chunking theory can actually be, I guess, uh, extended to all walks in our life. And, and, and I think blessing or the area in blessing is something in which we can, uh, we can see it because God wants us to be blessed. Everyone agree with that? God wants us to be blessed. And God has created a framework in which we can all be blessed. He's created sort of a, uh, a way that we can sort of operate that will receive blessing. He's put in uh, things that we can be obedient to, that we can live our lives around. And we can learn, we can learn the ways of God. We can understand the process through which we can be blessed. Amen. And when we do that, we thrive. We thrive. When we begin to understand and are able to walk in that obedience, we thrive because God establishes 
things within our lives. He establishes resources within our lives and then he multiplies them. He makes them, he grows them, makes them strong and then multiplies them that we would be blessed. Moreover, that isn't just something that we learn. It's actually something that we can pass on, that we can extend to our offspring. It's a system of blessing that becomes a legacy, a legacy that we can pass on to our heirs. They learn for themselves how to receive blessing. How awesome is that? That you can learn something and then pass it on. I, when I was growing up, I had a dad and he was awesome. I love my dad. He's the greatest dad ever. He's not a Christian, but he is a brilliant dad. He's the best non-Christian I've ever met. Okay, <laughs> And he has taught me so much about being a man and how to be a great father. Honestly, my wife often says, well, your dad wouldn't do that. And she means that because he was doing it right and I'm doing it wrong. He is a great guy, but he wasn't a Christian. And so there were things in my Christian walk that I couldn't go and ask him about. I couldn't learn from him because, because he wasn't one. He didn't have that faith. My mum did, and I could ask her questions. But there's questions specific to being a man and being a husband and being a father that, that you need to go and speak to another husband uh, or father about. And uh, I remember when I was very new in the church, within the first year, uh, I would find myself gravitating towards the front of the church after services because I would have these questions that I wanted to ask Pastor Kevin. And he was so graceful that, that he would just give me the time on, on many occasions for me to ask probably fairly dumb questions. But he gave me tremendous answers. And I, I remember there was this, this time where we were looking to buy a house. We wanted to buy a house. Uh, Laura was pregnant with our first son, Nathan. And we, you know, we'd saved up. We needed to get a house. But it was during the time where the recession just kicked in. And so getting mortgages was quite tricky. And so we were looking at these houses. And it just nothing was happening. It was, it was, quite, it was kind of just walking through, through a swamp. Just, just, you didn't feel like you were getting anywhere. And so I came and asked Pastor Kevin, you know, how, how, how do you sort of take possession of these, uh, of these things? And I was sort of going into it with the mindset of, you know, how can I get more money? Basically, I need to buy a house, and all the houses I want are in this bracket, and I'm in this bracket. So surely I need to get into this bracket. And Pastor Kevin said, you can do that. That's absolutely true. It requires an awful lot of faith. It requires you to really step out of yourself, and really, uh, it will, it's a challenge. But what you can do also is that you can ask for the things that you want to come into your price range. You can ask for those things that you want, uh, the houses that you want, to come into something that is affordable to what you have already. He says that is uh, also just as effective and actually doesn't have the same requirement and same uh, effort attached to it. And I was like, that's amazing. And it would never have occurred to me. Just never would have occurred to me because I'd never been in that situation before. Funnily enough, at the same time we were looking for a house, uh, Kevin and, uh, and Cheryl and the family were also looking for a house. And... In the same summer, I think at the beginning of the summer, we got a house. And by the end of the summer, they got a house. And it was, it was funny because it was like it was mirrored. It was like the experience that Pastor Kevin had, that, that ability, that understanding, that chunking of blessing, that chunking blessing. <laughs> he was able to pass on to me. And as a result, we both were blessed. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's, that's a legacy right there. That's, that's the father of the house, having knowledge, having understanding, and be able to pass it on, and seeing the people who uh, are in the house just be blessed at the same time. That's a legacy. That's something that you pass on. And it's awesome to see that. The key, the key to what I want to talk about today is later generation, the latter generation reflects back to the previous generation. Yeah. 
the latter generation reflects back to the previous. What, go, what, you, what precedes you will be seen in you. It's like people always hate the idea of, oh, you know, I, they see things in their lives, oh, my father would have done that, or my mother would have done that. And you think, oh, I, would, I, I never thought I would have done that because I didn't really like it when I was growing up and they were doing that. But you recognize those things within yourself. And, and that's because we reflect back onto the people that come, beyond, uh, come after us. I have a, uh, a friend uh, at work who's not uh, much older than me. He's a grandfather. He's a very funny guy, uh, has loads of stories, has lived a fairly wild life, and uh, tells me all sorts of things about what he was doing when he was growing up, and, and it's, most of it's fairly hair-raising. Uh, but, but he also talks, he's, he, he just talks very warmly about his children and about his grandchildren. He has just such great love and affection for them. But you can also st- tell, and he's kind of quite open about it, that, that he has great concerns for them. He sees the things that go on in their life and some of the madness that goes on in his kid's life. And, and, it, and it's a concern with him. And he's like, he doesn't feel like there's anything he can do at times. And he watches it and he looks at it and it, he feels, he, he often says he feels very much like a spectator. But there's, not, there's come a point in his life where he, there was many a time in his life where these children would follow the path that he set. But there comes a point where children walk their own path. Yeah. And, and you can be an influencer, but you aren't a dictator. Yeah. And, that, and, and he was sort of saying, and he kind of talks from time to time about this and how he will watch his children kind of grow and develop and make mistakes and there isn't a huge amount he can do about it. There's, there's actually a, there's a young woman in our work who came in uh, the other day and she was talking about her car had broken down and she was saying, you know, it's really funny, my dad's pretty sort of docile, quite, quite sort of passive, but whenever I sort of mention my car's broken down, he comes to life. It's like he sparks to life and, and, and we were sort of laughing because it's like, that's the moment he knows he's needed. Like that's the moment where it's like, she needs me again! <laughs> I'm important once more! And he'll sort of go in there and be like, oh don't worry, I'll take care of it. And I just think that's funny because there comes a point where you are, you're the encourager. You're the spectator, but, but you aren't able to necessarily have that defining word in their life because that defining word actually needed to come before. You needed to have planted that already. I was a very uh, a young man when I was, I think I was in like 21, 22, and he was in our sort of young adults group, and he'd come from a really tough background and uh, was still, he'd been a new Christian and was sort of figuring out quite a lot of stuff in his life and... Uh, but just such a lovely guy, such a sweetheart. And he was just, I know that sounds terrible, but he was. There's no other word for it. He's just an absolute sweetheart. I love him. Uh, and, but he'd had such a tough life and, and, and really had a, had a pretty hard lot. And, and he was, he'd had a very difficult relationship with his father. And he was telling us one time, we were, we, we were in our sort of group and we were, for some reason, it happens when you're in groups that you just sort of talk about the things of the world and, 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 and you know, what your thoughts on them are. And we were talking about Freemasonry and how, you know, the destruction of that and, and, and how it was, you know, sort of something that would detract from people's lives. And, and he, was, he was sort of saying, oh, yeah, when I was 16, my, uh, my dad was like, right, here, I've, I've, for your 16th birthday, I'm, I'm buying your membership for it. And he was like, you know what, dad, I'd rather the money so I could buy a skateboard. Because the truth was, his dad had not actually put any importance upon him during his life. So as soon as something that he thought was important, he tried to push on to him, it didn't make any difference. Like, he wasn't interested. By that point, he sort of was like, you know what, that might be important to you, but it's not important to me. So you can't, a generation can't frown upon the generation that comes behind it because 
they are responsible for the environment in which they grew. Yeah. You know, that's I mean, if you lay a road poorly, you can't complain that it's only agricultural ve vehicles that use it and not luxury ones. You just you can't complain about that stuff. You laid the road. If the cars the cars that use it aren't the cars you want, if you aren't seeing the results that you want to see, then you're the one who laid the road. See, they. There is nothing in this world that does not conform to the principle of what you sow today, you reap tomorrow. Yeah. That is, there is no instance where that isn't true. Even the lottery, even the lottery, you at least need to pay something to win, get a lottery ticket. You, there needs to be an initial outlay. Now, the lottery, as far as I'm concerned, is about as far away from God's ideal of blessing as you can get. Because it is about winning to the disadvantage of everybody else. It's about taking a shot in the dark. There's absolutely nothing of faith in it whatsoever. But even in that, you still need to spend a pound to win whatever. You still need to. There is an outlay in all of that stuff. There's nothing where you are not having to sow in order to reap. Uh, there's a theory for a, a leap performance called the 10,000 hour rule. And, and it's about this idea that in order to become expert or elite to anything, you need to put an average of 10,000 hours in. And it's an average. Some people are less, some people are more, but it averages out as about 10,000 hours. And I was thinking about this theory in my own life and thinking, I've had 10,000 hours that I've wasted in my life. 10,000 hours that I've spent on things that haven't really resulted in anything. Maybe they've just been 10,000 hours I've spread very thinly around a lot of things. And I think, well, what could I have achieved? But the response to that thought is, well, I don't know. I didn't know then what I know now. Yeah. Like, how could I possibly have known that by doing this, this, and this, would have, I would then, when I was 32, want this to have happened, but it hasn't happened because I never put in the work. It's impossible, to, it's impossible to have goals that reach throughout your entire life. In fact, what I would say is this, is that I don't think our lives, we can live lives that are just motivated by results. You can't live a life that's motivated by results because we can set goals and goals are great, but goals are narrow. The whole point of a goal is that it's specific. But your life encompasses many things. And you can't set a goal for every single thing in your life. And what if you do set a goal for everything in your life and it doesn't come to pass? Just because you set a goal doesn't mean it will necessarily come to pass. Results, you cannot live a life that is just purely motivated by results. But you can have one that is guided by principles and driven by ideals. You can, that's, that is absolutely something you can do. That you can live a life where you are, you are, there are principles and there are ideals in your life that guide you to where you want to go. And that's a completely different thing. And I want to come back to this whole principle that the, the Bible was talking about in, in that passage from Deuteronomy. It's about obedience. It's all coming back to obedience. All coming back to obedience. All paths for generational blessing come from a place of obedience. You see, God is perfect. Which means he's without any dysfunction. Any of the shortcomings and failings that we all face in our lives. He is perfect. And as a result, he needed to show man what that perfection represented. And so he laid out the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments were very simple. They were to define good from evil. To define sin in itself. Say, this is what sin is. These are the Ten Commandments. These are the, these are the, the, the laws that define my righteousness. That show how righteous I am. And then he left mankind to sort of to try and sort of aspire to these and, and, and to, to find sort of whether they could gain that sort of same righteousness. And, and, and obviously, it was impossible because we are flawed beings. 
And so he came back and sent Jesus. And Jesus came and died upon a cross. He died just a, a, a sinner's <coughs> death, yet he was perfect. And that paid the price of sin. It paid the price of sin so that the fact that we as humans couldn't reach that standard, we failed to meet that standard, it was all right because he paid the price for it. His blood paid the price for that sin so that we were delivered from any death sentence so that we could live an everlasting life. Everlasting life that comes from a submission to Jesus Christ and basically an acknowledgement that we need his help. We need his help to get through life. We need his help to, to have a relationship with God that it is not something that we can do by ourselves. But the Ten Commandments, that doesn't make them obsolete. They are not obsolete because they still define God's righteousness. They still define what is good. It shows us the, uh, the folly in trying to, to live a life righteously without Jesus. It, it still shows us those things. And they, they also, those Ten Commandments, they, are, they point towards blessing. They point towards it. Uh, let me just sort of get to my notes, sorry. It's no longer the route to everlasting life, but it is still points towards how we can be blessed because God created us and he knows as people and as humans what works for us and what doesn't work for us. Like much like, you know, you can buy a Haynes manual and Haynes manual will tell you what's good for your car and what's bad for your car. And the Ten Commandments in many ways define that because you see, if you murder someone, that's going to disrupt your life. It's going to have a real impact on your life. You know, it's going to have a detrimental effect on your life. If you, if you live a life of envy and jealousy, guess what? You're going to be unhappy. You're going to be unhappy. These, these, these commandments define the goodness of God, but also show us the areas in our lives where we, can, uh, where we aspire to fulfilling them, that we avoid the pitfalls in life. But one, one of the commandments has something that makes it unique from the other nine something that sets it apart from the other nine it has an attribute that is unique to it in itself and I'm just going to read it now it's from Exodus 20 verse 12 and it says honor your father and mother then you will live a long full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you this is the only commandment that in itself carries a blessing now, you are blessed if you follow the commandments because you are, you are being obedient to God. And, and so, therefore, you are, you are walking uh, a path that allows you to be blessed. But this is a very specific blessing that is attached to this one. I think it reflects what the earlier verse was saying. You see, this is the only one that carries a blessing. What is the blessing? Well, it says, honor your mother and father. Other, honor those who have preceded you and you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord God is giving you. See, it's not just, it's, it's talking about the land. The land is where you live. The land is where you have your children. The land is where you make your living. The land is where you find prosperity. That is what the land is and God is giving you a land and he is multiplying that land. And he has said he is going to prosper you in that land. And you will not live a short time, but you will live a long time. And you will be able to pass on so much more to the next generation. That's what God is saying. Saying so you honor the generation that came before you. See, here's the difficulty in, uh, 
in sort of thinking about the next generation, the, the thing that sort of often gets in our way is that we're so consumed with our own lives, with what's going on in our own lives. And, and there are problems and issues that come up in our own lives. And there are things that just are difficult and need our attention. And so it's very difficult to say, well, today I'm going to focus on the next generation. When I was 20 years old, I wasn't thinking about the kids I would have when I was 32, which is why you can't be motivated by results. But when you are guided by an ideal, when you are driven by a principle, then all of that stuff makes sense because you are laying a path for what you don't know, but you're still laying the path right. And when you honor when you live a life that is focused on honour, when you think about the people around you and that have laid the way before you and you honour them, when you hold them up, when you bestow esteem upon their lives, when you respect them, when you show love to them, when you show honour to them, the people are behind you. The people, your children see that. They recognise that. See, when when you have past that stage where you are now just the spectator you just have to watch what unfolds what you want to plant then has less influence than what you can plant at the very beginning and so if you are planting honor planting honor planting honor i want to honor this person i'm going to show my children this is how i honor my parents so that when they are at an age that they are making their own decisions there is a principle there is a legacy a lineage of honor in their life. That is what we are looking for. We are looking, God has said that honor has the hallmarks of blessing. When you show your parents honor, your kids see that and they will honor you. When you show your boss honor in front of your subordinates, the people around you, guess what? They'll show you honor. That's the way it works. When you choose a life that focuses on honor, those around you will see that and they will reflect that honor in you there's a cycle of blessing that comes through honor a cycle of blessing and it works like this it works like this you give honor and then you receive blessing then you are blessed and you are honored to live your life in a place of blessing and honor to watch the generation that comes and see them blessed. I think that's the best thing, to watch those that come after you be blessed. It's great to be blessed yourself, but you want to see those that come after you also be blessed. You want to see them be blessed. You want to see them know the secrets of how to be blessed, to understand that honor brings blessing. Honor creates land, creates a place where they can prosper and and, and just be emboldened to live the plans that God has for them. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.